On this show of St. Louis in Tune, we're going to return to civility. We're going to be interviewing the general manager and the executive chef of the 21C Museum Hotel, which is new here in St. Louis. And we're going to have the odds of doing things, i.e. winning the Mega Millions or the Powerball jackpot, including a whole lot of other odds that you never even thought about, our word of the day and funny. All of this on St. Louis in Tune. Well, greetings, listeners in listener land. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston, where we size up current and historic events involving people, places, and things in areas such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, government, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports. We originate from and connect the gateway city to what is happening regionally, nationally, and internationally. Our return to civility, and I'm, I'm kind of doing this for uh, Mark Langston, who's on assignment. Mark, don't forget that if you pick up something in a store and then decide not to put buy it, put it back where you got it from. I've watched Mark do that. He puts it back. And folks, you need to do that. The less time the store's employees have to spend replacing items to their proper spots, the more time they'll have to help customers find what they need. If you go to one of these big box stores that are, I'll just mention them, Home Depot or Lowe's or save big money at Menards, that one, Uh, you go there and you've got all of these washers and bolts and things like that, and people just throw those things in whatever bin. So if you pick something up in a store and then decide not to buy it, put it back where you got it from, just like Mark Langston does. Mark's on assignment. He will be back for our next show. One of the things you don't want to miss is the opening of the new 21C Museum Hotel And J.P. Roberts, who's the general manager of the 21C Museum Hotel, and Matt Doade, who's the executive chef, I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with them about the opening of this brand new hotel in downtown West on Locust Street. It's in the old YMCA building. We're here at the 21C Museum Hotel in St. Louis, a brand new boutique hotel which is going to be opening very soon. It's a hotel and contemporary art museum to downtown St. Louis in the restored YMCA building, which is located at 1528 Locust Street. And with us, J.P. Roberts, the general manager of the 21C Museum Hotel here in St. Louis, and Matt Doade, who is the executive chef of Idle Wolf. And we're going to be having a great conversation with them. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Doing well. Yeah, doing, doing good. good. Thank you. So, J.P., let's start with you. People may not know what the 21C Museum Hotels are. Would yeah. you explain that? Because maybe they know a hotel, they know a museum, but a museum hotel? Yeah, happy to. The 21C takes a unique approach to hospitality where it's almost an art museum and then very much a chef-driven restaurant and then a hotel. Very intentionally. So the entire building serves as the contemporary art museum. It's not just dedicated to certain spaces. For example, the room we're sitting in right now has a permanent art installation over our head right now and when you walk through you see a lot of the art going in right now which is really exciting and then the chef driven restaurant is we're fortunate to have chef matt it's and particularly being spanish food is pretty unique in st louis i know of only one other place that's doing true spanish food and i think in our opinion and ben's doing a good job and so we're excited to offer something a little bit different 
in the city. I've been fortunate enough to eat chef's food a few times now. I know a lot of people have eaten chef's food, but not many people have had the good fortune yet to eat his Spanish approach, which is going to be really exciting. But yeah, we have a chief curator, we have a museum team, we have site-specific exhibitions that will then rotate. We will have an inaugural exhibition, and then it will rotate to other 21Cs. I don't know where ours will go. I do not know which one we will get when it's time. It's a surprise, much like a lot of the artwork is a surprise to us. It's like Christmas every morning, which is really exciting. But it's, it is different intentionally. There are, there are other hotels, and there are other hotels in town that, that have an art component. But in our opinion, ours is a little bit more intentional with what our approach is. And I think people will see that when they're able to come into the building. And where are the other hotels located roughly, or a few of them? Oh, God. So we're really concentrated in the Midwest corridor, if you will, with the outlier being Durham over in North Carolina is probably the furthest east. But it started in Louisville, Kentucky, then Cincinnati. And then I think most people from St. Louis would be the most familiar with the Bentonville property. There's Chicago, there's Kansas City, Louisville, Lexington, Cincy, Durham. I think we will be the 10th location that's opened. And here in a historic building, the old YMCA building, yeah. how much of the historic structure has been able to be kept and, I guess, updated, maintained? A lot of it. A lot of it. Most of it where you see the historic nods and paying homage to the history of the building are in our public spaces. So on, on the lower level where we have Locust Street Athletic and Swim Club, when you and I walked around, you saw the pool that's been here since 1927. We did add a pretty good-sized hot tub and some steam and sauna rooms and things like that. The room we're sitting in now, for all intents and purposes, this floor is original. These walls have been restored. The artwork on the ceiling, that plaster dome ceiling is, has been here for I don't, I don't know how long. But when you walk through the flooring, when you walk over the billiards room, you see a lot of that stuff still intact. When you go up into the second floor in the main galleries, you'll see the you'll see the elevated track that a lot of people are going to be familiar with. The old basketball court is still there. Both have been turned into to gallery and event spaces, but you can still see what it was. And it's probably not going to be that hard for people that are familiar with the building to not only see what we've been able to do with this space, but also see and remember what that space was. It hasn't taken much away from it. Okay, and JP, what's your background as it relates to hotel management and things like that? Grew up in it. Actually, I grew up working, I grew up in restaurants and then came up in the business through the room side of things. So I grew up in what used to be a little town in Florida. I grew up in Destin, Florida, friends and family restaurants down there. Promised myself I was never gonna get into hospitality. And then a buddy of mine when we were in college said, hey, let's go get valet jobs and I, got back into hospitality, <laughs> changed my major, moved back to Florida, and started my career down there. I was working on the beach and then the front desk, and yeah, just started how our business works. Not, probably not much different than Chef here. We probably all started, we probably all washed dishes at some point in our life. Sometimes we yeah. still do it for fun. But I grew up in it. It's really all I know. And you had some time here in the area. Yeah, so this is Coming back home for me, I, my parents told me that we were moving to St. Louis from Destin. Uh, my parents lied to me, and we moved to Washington, Missouri in the mid-90s. I had never seen a farm. I had never smelled a farm. I'd never seen a basement. I grew up on the water 
And uh, so it was a little different, but I spent from the time I was 13 to 21 in the St. Louis area, which I think are most people would consider that their formative years where you really have long lasting friendships. And uh, yeah, I moved back to St. Louis for a girl and this job, but I always told her that if uh, there was ever a hotel that came to St. Louis that I could really be passionate about that I would throw my name in the hat and see where it goes. And 18 months later, something like that, I forget how long I've been back, but longer, I've been back longer than I've, like in more advance of an opening than I have been on other projects, but it's good to be back home. And Chef, you grew up here in, this, in the St. Louis area also, right? Yeah, born and raised, grew up in University City. And so I was the youngest of four. And yeah, grew up all in the U City area around Clayton in downtown. And yeah, I've moved away a couple of times, lived in Colorado, went to school in, in San Francisco, but always found my way back home and knew this is where I'd end up staying. What sure. was your first love? Because being a chef wasn't your first initial vocational aspiration, was it? Yeah, no, I started out in English education, and that's what brought me to Colorado, and I was in school and set to be an English teacher, and started working at a small local market there, and got to meet a lot of the farmers, and a lot of people who were raising the cattle around town, and so I started working for a family that was processing all the animals and stuff like that, and really got an inside look on it, and fell in love with I always cooked, but never really got on the other side of it and never really considered it as a career. And then a year working there, I fell in love with it and decided to move back home to, to go to culinary school and started working with Mark Del Pietro, who gave me a good look at what it was like being in a restaurant kitchen and the hectic environment that was and still loved it after the first year and ran a cafe with him for a few years before I decided I wanted to head out to San Francisco and further my education and did school out there but again found my way back home to to work for Gerard Craft and in Niche which I think had been open for two years at that point but was really making a name for it. You were opening you worked at Niche and then you opened uh, Taste? Yes. Yeah, so, Taste? Yeah so Taste started as a little 18 seat small cocktail bar that was attached to Niche when it was down in Benton Park. And so the full team at Niche helped get that place going, and it really took off as a place that really didn't have much capacity to it. It was packed every day. And we had one of the best bartenders in town with Ted Kilgore over there right, doing right. drinks. No surprise. He's a legend, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, after I think a year of it being open there, Gerard decided to move it over to the Central West End. And Adam Altnether, who was the chef de cuisine at the time, got to start with it and got it open. And then after the first year, I came in as executive chef and gave me full reign of doing what I wanted with the menu and went over there and had a lot of fun with putting together. It exploded, folks. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was a fun three years. And to me, it was a whirlwind. I was head down just cooking crazy amounts of hours and put a lot into it. And lucky enough that yeah people responded well to it and it reminds me when i got this opportunity and heard what the concept was it reminded me a lot of what i was doing at taste it was going to be focused on a spanish cuisine which is mm -hmm. this idea of small plates 
and big flavors and things that we could have fun with. And so, yeah, it seemed like a good match. Yeah, you had your own restaurant, Reed's in Maplewood. That was wonderful cuisine there. And you ended up going to Juniper after that for a while before yep. you took this position. Yeah. Doing my own thing was a great learning experience. I think it was about four or five years after Taste that we got it up and running. And I was fortunate enough to work with some of the people I respected most in town. With We had a great wine program, coffee program, and it was a lot of fun. And I learned in that process very much that I love being the chef of a restaurant and, and less the owner. It was taking me out of the kitchen a lot and doing that sort of thing. And I, I can spend all day in a kitchen. And making that choice is a hard choice to decide that I wanted to continue focus and growing in the kitchen and still had a lot to learn. And so, yeah, Juniper gave a good opportunity to get back to just being the executive chef and doing that. Throughout that time, I ended up having two kids and right. your priorities change a little bit more and, right. and trying to find something where I could find a good work-life balance, but also afford raising two crazy boys. When 21C opened or posted that they were looking for a chef, I was familiar with them. We had done dinners with Proof on Main when I was back at Niche. Um, so the name rung a bell, and I knew that they always had quality restaurants that made a name for themselves. And the more and more I looked into it and the idea that they really let the chefs run with the concept, and it wasn't just this cookie-cutter concept that they wanted to repeat. They wanted everything to be unique. And so it seemed like a great fit where I could continue to grow and still have fun with food and still have that freedom. This really sounds, JP, like a great mix Oh yeah, with, with what you've you're bringing to the table what Chef Matt's bringing to the table and this really unique environment here, more so than I think this personal bias than some of the other 21C museum hotels that are going around right now. I'm a little biased to this one. It's, this is our house. And so, yeah, we're a little biased too, but we're, we're fortunate to have like very great colleagues and partners in our other locations. I know Chef and I have spent a lot of time in, in some of the other spots helping out when they need help or just getting some training and some reps in because we need to be in fighting shape when, when it's time to go. And so they've been great to work with keeping us discuss in a the little, routine. Discuss a little bit about the architecture, the, the architect who's designed the interior here and some of the things that they've been focusing on, maybe some interesting things that folks may see as they're walking through in the public spaces and maybe if they're not going to be a guest here, what are some things that they would see if they were a guest in certain places? It's one of those where I'm not the most versed when it comes to the architecture and the history, but it is PWWG uh, is the architect of record out of Cincinnati. Uh, Bill Rooney Studios did the guest rooms and Hoft, Hoft is handling all of the public spaces. And there were some historic components where we didn't have a lot of latitude in what we could really change or manipulate a lot of it, which is bringing some things back to life. So you will see a lot of restoration in the public spaces. We had a little more liberties upstairs in some of the rooms, but even when you get into some of the suites where the old squash courts were in the East Tower, we've turned those into guest rooms. You've got the double height ceilings and you've got multi-level suites on a couple of the floors and we have another suite that we refer to as the library suite where the walls are the same walls. 
as this cafe library that we're sitting in now that has a really cool living and game room component as well as the room component you'll see a lot of nods to to the history of the building you'll see some fun arch play through throughout the building where it's not so overwhelming you really got to keep your eyes open for it and then the art one of the one thing we didn't really mention was angie our museum manager and all of the stuff that 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 art team is doing to really bring the spaces to life that you can't do with just paint and stain pretty furniture so we're we're very like people are going to be very pleasantly surprised when they come into the space and we've gone through and seen what some of the inaugural exhibition is going to be and it's really coming together and it's really quite exciting and people who have not seen or been to a 21 seat hotel or museum hotel they're in for a real treat if they've been to the contemporary art museum here yep. in st louis it's a little feel for what's going on what's going on but there's art everywhere around you and i guess the, the penguins are still going to be the official mascot here yeah so we have there will be a total of 25 pure orange is the color of our penguins so there will be 25 of them spread throughout the building and i know our teams like to have a little bit of fun of where they go and some people might get surprised if there's one in a room or one waiting right outside of their room for them or sitting in an elevator like our team likes to have a little bit of fun with it so it's gonna be a good time this is arnold stricker with this is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston of St. Louis in Tune. We're talking to J.P. Roberts, the general manager of the 21 Museum, 21C Museum Hotel, and Chef Matt Doide, who is the executive chef here. Matt, explain exactly what an executive chef does, because if you would also <laughs> distinguish between line cook, sous chef de cuisine, executive chef, or is it like all of the above? It's that last... Yeah, so, you know... As a role of executive chef, we don't just have our kind of Spanish-inspired restaurant, Idle Wolf, in the hotel. We also have a cafe, Good Press, which will be set up as a neighborhood cafe and coffee house and fresh pastries in the morning and salads and grab-and-go sandwiches and that sort of deal for a perfect place for people around the neighborhood to come grab a quick bite and also service for our hotel guests. So I'll be looking over that, but then we also have two fairly large banquet spaces. 14,000 square feet. Yeah. Meeting space. How many? Yeah. 14,000 square feet of event space. Wow. Yeah, so weddings and any sort of event that you could imagine that we've written out a lot of really good menus for. My responsibility is to look over all of these menus, but we have Jonathan Duffy, who is the chef de cuisine, so his job becomes watching over that kitchen because I can't be everywhere at once. And so he's done an amazing job. He's somebody I worked with at Reed's when he first started getting in the kitchens. And so it was great to be able to extend an opportunity for his growth where he's worked himself up to where this is a great position for him. So he gets to watch over Idle Wolf when I'm not there and help with the menu and help with the cooks and grow from that standpoint. And then, yeah, line cooks, they'll be able to come in and just put out food every night, put out some great food and not have to focus on what the recipes are and stuff like that. Between me and Jonathan, we get to Dallas in and we have a great team of sous chefs who help support me and Jonathan in that endeavor and will help make sure that everything over at the cafe and in between banquets are going smoothly. So to go through how you prepared a meal, you say, this is like the menu I want for this particular dish. 
And do you present that to JP and say, hey, these are some of the dishes we're thinking about. And then if you would go into the rest of your staff, this is how you need to do it. Or how do you explain all that? So people understand that when they go into a restaurant, they just sit down and they eat. They don't see all the behind the scenes kinds of things that go on. Yeah. So I came on almost a year ago in September and kind of (laughs) was given the concept and immediately started researching and writing out a menu. And I think that's kind of what's cool about this opportunity is being given that opportunity to have the freedom with the menu and come up with an idea and they get a framework and we get to fill that in. We have Vanessa who's out of Cincinnati, who's the corporate food and beverage director. And so my boss from that standpoint. And so we come up with a menu, we get to bounce it off of her and get feedback. And so that's what's been awesome to me in this process is it's not just me who has to come up with the menu and write these things out. Gotcha. There's a lot of talented people that I get to bounce ideas off of and help really craft a menu. So for almost the past year, we've been building and tinkering and stuff like that. And then we got, finally get to the stage where we get to bring food in and start testing it out. And whether it's JP or Dylan, who's our food and beverage director here, or Vanessa, all these people came in and get a chance to taste it and we really get to refine it down. So. By the time that customers are coming in, we know this is exactly what we want to put out there. And one thing Chef didn't touch on even going back before he started was the tasting process. Yeah. Where, so a chef interview, you go cook for people. That's a lot of the interview. There's the phone interview and the in-person just to get to know the person, but a nice guy and everything. Yeah, but can he cook? Is The main reason you're is, here. Yeah, is, and uh, so I was lucky to go to two of Chef's tastings. And they, I, how many of those items are on the menu now? There are a few of them. Yeah, there's a good From few. his original tasting a year ago in Cincinnati where we went. Yeah, and so uh, you pack up your knives and hop on a plane and <laughs> you've ordered food into a kitchen that you haven't been in yet and you go out there. But yeah, I wrote up a Spanish-inspired menu just to give an idea of what I can execute from that concept. And yeah. I was lucky enough that those dishes went over really well to the point that a lot of those have maintained and we just refined them down a little bit more to where they've made this menu. Wow. The gazpacho that we've done, the Spanish-inspired meatballs, there's been a lot of things that, that have carried over. So, What's that toast with the tomato on it? Oh, yeah. They, I think one of the most well-known dishes coming out of Spain is you have your just pan con tomate. So it's just really well-done toast that's grilled off. And JP just fainted over there. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> You're rubbing it with garlic and, oh, and yeah. <laughs> some really fresh tomatoes that have been seasoned up nicely. And yeah, that's a classic. It's got to be on the menu. He was telling me about the meal that he had. And it was just, yeah, without words, without words. Yeah. Doing Spanish food makes it easy. Their food is meant to be shared and enjoyed and just built to be delicious. And it's all about having a relaxed, fun time, having really good food. So Spanish concept makes it easy to put things out that are delicious. So Now, there's a unique venue on the east side of the building yeah. that's going in right now. And what are the step stairs, these huge step stairs you see yeah. out over there? How's that going to play out, Jason? So that is, that's our little art park and amphitheater, if you will. So our restaurant and bar will have patio seating. For those that are familiar, what would you say? It's probably the size of 
Planner's House. Is it Planner's? That's the one here, right? Yeah, no, yeah. Patterson House is in Nashville. I get those two confused sometimes. So we'll have an outdoor patio area, and then it literally terraces down like a traditional amphitheater, if you will. And then we'll have a lower terrace. We'll do events. We'll do concerts. We'll do live music. We've, we made sure that we have enough juice out there to put on a good show. And then the other, we also have a partnership with Laumeyer Sculpture Park. And Chandler, his last name is escaping me. Is I think he's out there right now putting some stuff up. But it's wow. that's wild. It when you walk by Locust Street, like our old landlord from our pre-opening office texted me a picture of it. I was like, "What is that?" And I was like, are, "Like, where are you? I'll come show you." But uh, no, it's gonna it's gonna be great. We're gonna have we're gonna have our own park, basically. There's gonna be plenty of landscaping, plenty of trees. It's just gonna soften and warm up the space a little bit. And what we're very happy about is even on hot summer days, at about three or four o'clock we're in the shade already and yeah. it, it feels nice yeah so yeah you can have outdoor snacks and cocktails and not just be dripping and sweat even in the middle of the summer so we're really excited about that particularly me because I, I sunburn in the moon so i like to be in shade so, so chef are you making some signature cocktails or you're leaving that to some bartender to or are there 21c museum hotel signature cocktails yeah so dylan who is our food and beverage director. We pretty much started at the same time. And while I was tinkering away with food and writing out those menus, he was coming up with the concept for the bar and beverage program. And so he's done a great job of, again, doing some Spanish-inspired ideas. And so you'll see a lot of that influence on the menu, but also extended beyond that. And then same as myself, building a team around me that, that can execute those ideas and do it justice. He's, already brought on a good team of people that will help out in that endeavor. And so you're, you've got a lot of local talent here that's going to be working in the food and beverage area. And JP, a lot of the art is also going to be local mm -hmm. artists, correct? The piece here from Nick Cave, Nick, Nick has ties to St. Louis. All of the guest room art was done locally. Our partnership with Laumeyer Sculpture Park, he's, he's local. There are, and then even in the suites, we partner with a local photographer to put all those out and so we definitely to support local artists even through the elevate program with 21c that's our museum team and our director of community impact will really engage with some local artists and highlight that space and in fact i think our first elevate program is going to be in the billiards room so yeah we've we like to really showcase local talent but we also want to bring some things to st louis that people might not have been able to see here so we've got some really cool pieces coming in and I, I keep asking angie and she's probably tired of me asking about some of the pieces that i ask are they here yet or are they here yet because i want to see it they're not here yet but they will be soon but it's yeah we try to have that mix support local as much as we can we, it's definitely a pillar of who we are but we want to bring some other stuff in too i'd say one big signature piece when you walk in the front door you see this and I'm not going to mention what it is, but you won't be able to miss it, folks, as you walk in. It's I hope not. I hope you don't miss it. It's, <laughs> I'll talk about it. People are going to see it soon enough. It's an orb that's about eight feet in diameter. It's, what, 2,000 gallons of water, and it weighs 20,000 yeah, pounds. It's, it's crazy. It's so impressive. It's covered and protected now, but when you walk up to it, it messes with your eyes a little bit. You can see through it, and people look like they're standing upright, and then you move six inches to the right and you look at that person and now you're both inverted it's 
I don't understand how all that stuff works. I've, I will be the first one to tell anybody I am not an expert when it comes to art, but thank goodness we have people that are. Yeah. And then the other piece and kind of seeing how these two play together with the, we have a permanent installation that goes up from the lower level all the way up to the third floor and a staircase that's very impressive. Only the first part of it is done now. They'll be coming back to wrap that up in, in August, but there are some really cool pieces that jump out at you right when you come in the door. It's an impressive place. It's an impressive place. I want to close a little bit Yeah, and speak to the um, you have 14,000 square feet of exhibition space, but you also have places there you're going to have for wedding receptions, mm -hmm. all big yeah. event kinds of things. How do people get in contact with you about those kinds of things and are food involved with those kinds of things also? It's Food can be involved in anything, I think. Yeah, food and drink, it makes everything. Anywhere that anybody wants <laughs> it. Yeah, we'll serve it inside, we'll serve it outside. We really don't care as long as people are having a good time. But the best person to get in contact when it comes to weddings or meetings or, or events like that is Joy Schmidt. She's our director of sales and marketing. Joy's been in the city for a while. She knows it well. She definitely knows the catering side really well. Joy Schmidt would be who you would reach out to to, to get that stuff done. All right, JP, your biggest surprise of this whole place. Whoa, man. How many random staircases we have? <laughs> it's odd. Like, there are staircases when I first started, I would get lost. And I don't know why some staircases stop where they do and why they maneuver around. It's th That has been a head-scratcher on the amount of just random staircases we have. Also... This is just from an operator's perspective, but having an elevator that goes to the sub-basement is huge. We can store a lot of stuff down there. Yeah. Most, every hotel I've been in, in the past, we've not been so lucky. So those are, those are dumb for people that might not necessarily work in the industry, but me personally, those are a couple of interesting surprises. Chef, how about you? Yeah, just seeing the space come together. We've seen it since it was an empty box and kind of seeing how it, it fills out. Again, as JP touched on earlier, you don't lose anything that the building was. It really, just, you just saw it come back to life. And then you see these kind of fun art pieces go in that just highlight what is going on. And then the, seeing the restaurant space go from this thing that you're like, man, how's this going to fit in here? And right. it's turned into an amazingly beautiful space that melds like perfectly into the rest of the building. That restaurant space so, is sexy. Yeah, it's no, beautiful. It's, it's, it's really cool to see how they did an amazing job of tying in all these new aspects to make it work as a hotel into something that was already existing and, and how well it works. So it seems like a place that has already been here in St. Louis for a long time. So I yeah. can't wait for people to come check it out. That's for sure. great. J.P. Roberts, General Manager, and Matt Dode, Executive Chef at the 21C Museum Hotels. Thanks very much for talking to us on St. Louis and Tune today. Appreciate you uh, coming over. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. Those guys are wonderful. It's going to be a great hotel, folks. We don't want you to miss out on anything of that. Maybe a great time to take a little weekend with uh, your spouse. It's a great place. The old YMCA building. It's just gorgeous and what they've done with it. Again, July 25th, the restaurant opens. These are tentative. August the 8th, the hotel opens and the grand opening August the 24th. 
We've gone a little long here. We'll talk more about that when we come back. You're listening to St. Louis In Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston on the U.S. Radio Network. You know, each time that we plan a show for St. Louis In Tune, we strive to bring you informative, useful, and reflective stories, as well as interviews about current and historic issues and events that involve people, places, and things. And while St. Louis In Tune originates from the Gateway City and covers local topics, we also connect what's going on nationally as well. Our topics cover a wide range of arts, crime, education, employment, Faith, finance, food, health, history, housing, humor, justice, sports, and that's just to name a few. We know there's many radio stations, programs, even podcasts that you could be listening to, and we're glad that you've chosen to listen to St. Louis In Tune. If you've missed any of our previously aired programs of St. Louis In Tune, simply visit stlintune.com. That's STL intune.com. There, you'll find every show from our first to our most current. Use the search engine to look for a show that might interest you from one of the many topics that we've covered. And drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. You can do that at stlintune at gmail.com. That's stlintune at gmail.com. St. Louis Intune, heard Monday through Friday on the usradionetwork.com and many great radio stations around the U.S. and, of course, right here in St. Louis. And don't forget, check out our website, stlintune.com. That's stlintune.com. This is Arnold Stricker of St. Louis In Tune on behalf of the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation. In 1857, the Dred Scott decision was a major legal event and catalyst that contributed to the Civil War. The decision declared that Dred Scott could not be free because he was not a citizen. The 14th Amendment, also called the Dred Scott Amendment, granted citizenship to all born or naturalized here in our country and was intended to overturn the U.S. Supreme Court decision on July 9, 1868. The Dred Scott Heritage Foundation is requesting a commemorative stamp to be issued from the U.S. Postal Service to recognize and remember the heritage of this amendment by issuing a stamp with the likeness of the man Dred Scott. But we need your support and the support of thousands of people who would like to see this happen. To achieve this goal, we ask you to download, sign, and share the one-page petition with others. To find the petition, please go to dredscottlives.org and click on the Dred Scott Petition Drive on the right side of the page. On behalf of the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation, this has been Arnold Stricker of St. Louis In Tune. Hold on, folks. Hold on. That's the group called Yes Ma'am. Welcome back to St. Louis In Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston. Mark is on assignment. Have you been, maybe you don't play Powerball or Mega Millions. It's like, hey, what's the point? Or maybe you have your favorite numbers and you play them all the time. Or maybe you just do a quick pick. Well, the odds of winning the jackpot, since it's over a billion dollars now, is 1 in 292.2 million. One in 292.2 million. I heard something the other day before it 
rose above one billion, that the odds of winning are like taking dimes and placing them side by side from Seattle all the way down to Destin, Florida, and then finding the right one with the right numbers. That's just crazy. That's crazy. Your, your odds are actually better of getting hit by lightning than they are of winning the Powerball. So, but don't go outside and get hit by lightning. Here, what are the odds on this one? Listen to this one. Federal authorities are investigating after a plane's emergency evacuation slide fell into the backyard of a Chicago home Monday. Chicago, Chicago police say they were called to the city's northwest side near O'Hare International Airport where they found the slide had slightly damaged a home. They were just having lunch upstairs in our unit, and they just heard a loud boom, and I guess it hit the side of the building, said a neighbor, where the plane debris fell. The only thing that we were worried about at the beginning was, oh, yeah, it's really loud, stuff like that, and you get used to it, but you never think that something like this is going to happen. Hmm. Interesting. No injuries were reported from the incident, according to the Federal Aviation Administration, a.k.a. the FAA, maintenance workers at O'Hare discovered an emergency evacuation slide was missing, get this, folks, from a United Airlines Boeing 767 that had just landed safely after a flight from Zurich, Switzerland. United said it was seeking to find out exactly how the slide ended up in the neighborhood. Hmm. The FAA is continuing to investigate the incident and no other information is available at that time, at this time. So here are some other odds and probability. It's kind of like throwing dice or flipping a coin. Flipping a coin, you have 50-50 chance. So I'm going to read something to you and then tell you what the probability of that happening is. Okay, we all, I already mentioned, one in 292.2 million of winning the Powerball. So what are the? what's the probability of someone having the same birthday as you if you step into a room with 50 people in it? One in 12. What, what's the probability of you getting accepted into Harvard? Well, maybe or maybe not, depending upon the recent Supreme Court case. One in 20. That's kind of hard to believe. The odds of rolling a pair of dice and getting snake eyes. One in 36. This is a horrible one. Getting a brain tumor in your lifetime, one in 100. Or if you live in the United States getting killed in an automobile accident, your chances are one in 102. Being born with 11 fingers or toes, I was surprised at this, one in 500. I guess it's easier to be to be born with 11 fingers or toes than to play if you play high school hockey and make it into the pros. That's a 1 in 598 chance. Or 1 in 659 if you're a high school baseball player and making it to the pros. Or 1 in a 4233 chance of if you're a football player making it to the pros. How about a soccer player making it to the new MLS league, actually the new MLS team? A high school soccer player making it to the pros, 1 in 5,768. But if you're a basketball player in high school and you want to make it to the pros, you have a 1 in 11,771 chance. Hmm. Anybody a bowler out there? And I want to talk about high school bowlers making it pro. We're talking about rolling a perfect 300-point game. 1 in 11,500 chance. 
Getting a hole-in-one. Had a friend of mine get a hole-in-one the other day. One in 12,500. Hmm. Hmm, let's skip that one. Getting dealt a royal flush in poker. One in 649,740. Now, you know there's been a lot of shark attacks, especially kind of like up Massachusetts way, down Florida, off the coast of California. But getting eaten by a shark, one in eight million. You want to become president of the United States? You've got a one in 10 million chance. How about getting a perfect NCAA bracket? Well, those brackets were all blown recently uh, back in March during March Madness, but you have a one in 128 billion chance getting a perfect NCAA bracket. Now, you've also heard about debris from satellites and rocket launches that are eventually making their way back into the atmosphere. Well, getting killed by a falling satellite, you have a 1 in 21 trillion chance. About taking a 100-question multiple-choice quiz and correctly guessing every question, 1 in 750 trillion chance. I never heard of this uh, particular number, and I think I have to look it up again before I forget because I don't want to give you wrong information. We're all about trying to be as factual as we can on this show. But the number number is a unvigantillion. An unvigantillion. And if you want to know how many zeros that is, that's a one followed by 66 zeros. I never heard of that. But shuffling a deck of cards and getting the same exact order, a 1 in 80 unvigantillion chance. 66 zeros. Never heard of that. Somebody made that up. That's probably not true. Probably not true at all. Okay, time for some jokes, folks. Hands on those buzzers, please, but please don't pop those buttons until an answer is exposed. You can get ready and, uh, you know. All right, it's time for some humor, folks. Oh, it's not that bad. So me in high school, I can eat a Gordita Supreme, a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts at midnight, and lose three pounds. Now... My pant size goes up every time I swallow my spit. <laughs> have you ever been locked out of the house? It's frustrating. And a lot of times now these, they have these combination locks on so you don't have to use a key. If you ever get locked out of your house, though, talk to your lock calmly because communication is the key. Never lie to a woman because she's going to find out anyway. Most women investigate better than the FBI. <laughs> Wow. Okay. We've been friends for so long, I can't remember which one of us is the bad influence. Mm. 
So it's been really hot here in St. Louis recently. I, I know many of you can identify with that, but I'm not saying it's really hot, but I, I was sweating so much I hydroplaned off the toilet seat and landed in the bathtub. Hmm, that's pretty hot. My husband and I have the secret to making a marriage work. This is sent in from a lady. She said, twice a week we go to a nice restaurant and have a little wine and good food. He goes Tuesdays and I go Fridays. Mmm. Mmm. How about this one? You'll hit every cone on the highway before I let you merge in front of me because you saw that sign two miles ago like I did. Oh, some people just can't do the zipper. Folks, you get get to those merges and it says use a zipper, do the zipper. No, some people, they like to line up for five miles rather than use both lanes and then zipper it in. Zippering, it's really good on the roads when there's a merging. Use the zipper. So my wife asked me to put ketchup on the shopping list, and now I can't read anything. Hmm. Okay, a couple more here. Uh, I have a blind date tonight. She asked me what vehicle I drive. My reply, two-door Mercedes. She said, give me more time to dress up. I think it's going to be a great date. Hmm. My neighbor's cat got our cat pregnant. I was joking with him that they would have to pay child support when I opened the door. I saw this this morning. It was cat food with a note on it that said, child support. Oh, I want to end with this one. My ducks are absolutely not in a row. I don't even know where some of them are, and I'm pretty sure one of them is a, a pigeon. Well, folks, that's all for this hour. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, when the Martians invade, there's only one race, the human race, and every one of us have different characteristics and is uniquely valuable. St. Louis in Tune is a production of Motif Media Group and the U.S. Radio Network. For St. Louis in Tune, co-host Mark Langston, I'm Arnold Stricker. Remember to walk worthy and let your light shine. <laughs>